bat, we have Mr. Brennan. Tell us about your journey to BC. Yes, hello. Um, so last weekend, um, I had the chance to go to Lone Butte, British Columbia. Um, if you don't know where Lone Butte is, don't feel bad because I also did not know where Lone Butte was until I looked up at a map. Uh, it's north of uh, Kelowna and Kamloops. And I got to tour with the Saskatoon band Violent Betty as the bass player. And we went to the uh, Metal uh, Metal Ocalyptic Fest. Metal Ocalyptic. That's an festival. amazing name. I, I, pra- I, I practiced that all weekend. Metal Ocalyptic. Uh, anyway, you get the idea. And what the festival is, it is a two-day festival, um, and every member of the band has to have at least one female member in it, um, and it caters to um, heavy metal, metal, punk rock kind of thing. So genres which uh, maybe aren't known for having a large female you know, contingency within the band community, um, and that's what this... That's what the tour is. Um, it was really great. Two days worth of music. Uh, small community hall. Had a great little live venue. And everyone like just camped right next door. Um, and it was like just a great weekend of uh, great music. Was there, was there a lot of people that showed up? Uh, it was a decent turnout. Um, it seemed to be... Uh, I'm not... My spatial awareness isn't great. Um, a lot of the, the bands that were there were also the audience members. So it, it's very like cross-pollinating. Um, what I found really fascinating talking with a lot of the bands is that the festival's been running for three or four years. And for a lot of the bands, it's their third or fourth year going. So the majority of... It's not, oh, we did it once. Let's do it... Like, try to do it again. The same bands are like, we make this as part of our of our tour. Um, this year they had a band who came in from Italy, um, a band from Seattle, and then bands from Regina, Saskatoon, BC, and all across Canada um, that all come together for this really great weekend of music. So um, yeah, it's, if you ever get a chance, if you are a rock and metal fan, um, uh, Forsaken Right, Crimson Caliber are playing, uh, Calevra from Regina, I even bought their t-shirt, that's how much I like them. Uh, Sugar Wash, kind of like more of a, uh, I think they're from Calgary, kind of more like a, a punk thing. And then, of course, Violent Betty that I was there representing with. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. Just a really, really great vibe. So cool. if you're into Lone Butte, go check it out. Now, when you walked in the studio today, you said that you had big news. And I am like on tender hooks because you have not yet revealed what this big news is. So I, I haven't because I didn't find this out till this morning when I finally started checking my phone again. It's difficult in the mountains. And as part of our Punch Creative Group, uh, our last meeting, we had a prompt to do a story on transformation and rebirth because I mentioned that Panel One... So Panel One Comics uh, out of Calgary, it's an independent cooperative of independent comic book creators and collaborators, and they help support and, and create books and get the names out there. They're starting to do a zine. And so the theme was transformation and uh, metamorphosis. And so... We did this as a writing idea, and I actually took our idea and I pitched it. So myself and um, C.W. Poole uh, collaborated this idea, and I pitched it. I found out this morning it got accepted. <gasps> so because of our group, we are going to be publishing a four-page story for the Panel 1, the first ever Panel 1 comic scene. I'm so proud of you guys. That's, that's great. That's, that's awesome great. news. Explain what that is exactly as I sit here wondering what we're talking about. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> well, we, we have a punch 
creative group and anyone is welcome to join us we meet at amazing stories the second wednesday of every month mm-hmm. from 6 30 to 8 and it's just people who like love comics art writing whatever and we do little games and exercises to like stretch our imaginations and we've had some really good collaborations come out of it including this exercise that i thought was just kind of for fun is actually coming to fruition that's that's yeah, so awesome so- well done yeah, I thought that was very cool. So, you know, we got someone else publishing our work for us. So uh, mm-hmm. now I need to actually do it. But it will be, I'm very excited. So that's, that is the big comic book news here on okay. Exclusive. I haven't even emailed um, Pool about it yet. So Okay, awesome. Well, that is a good scoop. And uh, we'll have more comic news later in the episode. But right now we are going to take a little pause and listen to Hank's picks for summer TV. Hey, all you punters out there in Radioland, it's me, Hank, and as you may have noticed, most of the time when dishing out ratings and reviews of TV shows, it's when the season has ended that I'm talking about the show, not usually per episode, because honestly, who has the time? I'm watching a lot of TV. But today I thought I would go through the small screen shows that I'm currently watching to let you know what will keep your eye and ear holes entertained all summer long. So let's start with HBO. On HBO, there's a new show, it's called Euphoria. Now, Euphoria is an American adaptation of an Israeli show of the same name. It follows a group of high school students as they navigate love and friendships in a world of drugs, sex, trauma, and social media. The ensemble cast includes actor and singer Zendaya, who puts on an amazing performance from what we've seen so far, Maude Apatow, Eric Dane, and more. Now, all episodes are written by Sam Levinson, who wrote and directed Assassination Nation, uh, and he wrote uh, Wizard of Lies, which was also on HBO. But if you haven't seen uh, Assassination Nation, the movie, you should check it out. It's pretty good. So he also serves as an executive producer alongside Ron Lesham and Daphne Levin, who created the Israeli series. So the three episodes that have aired so far, they're very dark. It uh, focuses on what teenagers will do to escape the realities while shining a little bit of light on the negative sides of the internet and social media. The show itself is a little soapy at times, like a little soap opera-y, with an expectant plot developments that go on, um, but overall worth watching so far. So new episodes, they air Sunday nights on HBO. So next up on the Showtime Network is a show, a new show actually that just started. I watched the first episode last night. It's called The Loudest Voice. So starring Russell Crowe as Roger Ailes, Naomi Watts, uh, she plays Gresham Carlson. Uh, Beth Ailes is played by Sienna Miller. And uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, plays uh, Brian Lewis. So the uh, first episode, it aired last Sunday and it is good. It took me several scenes to get over Russell Crowe's makeup, but I'm in it to win it now. So the show is going to be a seven-part limited series on Showtime based on the best-selling book about Roger Ailes, the founder of Fox News. Boo, Fox News. To understand the events that led to the rise of the modern Republican Party, one must understand Ailes. So the show focusing primarily on the past decade in which Ailes became the party's de facto leader 
The series also touches on defining events in Ale's life, including his experiences with world leaders that gave birth to his political career, and of course, the sexual harassment accusations and settlements that brought his Fox News reign to an end. So I watched the first episode, it was amazing, so I'm hoping that the other six are going to be even better. So it's looking good, it's on Showtime, I would recommend it. And also on Showtime, uh, City on a Hill. In the early 1990s, Boston was rife with violent criminals emboldened by local law enforcement agencies in which corruption and racism was the norm. And then it all changed in what was called the Boston Miracle. In this fictional account, and I mean fictional, Assistant District Attorney DeCourcy Ward, who is played by Aldous Hodge, comes from Brooklyn and forms an unlikely alliance with a corrupt, very corrupt, yet venerated FBI veteran, Jackie Rohr, who's played by Kevin Bacon. Now together, they take on a family of armored car robbers in a case that grows to involve and ultimately subvert the entire criminal justice system of Boston. So armored car robbers, and now we're changing the entire criminal justice system of Boston. So honestly, it's great, but I would watch anything with Greasy Bacon, especially Greasy Kevin Bacon with an accent. So you need to check it out. And from HBO and Showtime, we move on to Cinemax and their new series, Jet with Two T's. That's right, Jet with Two T's. So fresh out of prison, retired professional thief Daisy Jet Kowalski, played by the ever-awesome Carla Gugino, is reluctantly drawn back into doing what she does best after being forced to quit following the birth of her child. Now, narrowly completing a dangerous final job, and we all know in an action series when you say final job, it's never the final job. She finds herself getting pulled back into a series of assignments masterminded by ruthless criminals who are determined to exploit her skills for their own ends. Also starring Giancarlo Esposito, Gus from Breaking Bad, this action series is for better or worse, not just about the action, it's about one woman trying to hold the secret part of her life together while keeping her friends and her daughter safe. There's only five episodes listed on the old uh, World Wide Webs there, and three have been aired already, so I'm hoping season one has got a few more that they haven't talked about yet, so there better be more. Great show. It's on Cinemax, but in Canada, you can check it out on Crave TV. Now, quickly now, USA Network used to have several shows, especially during the summer, that were great to watch. Now, honestly, they're down to one show, uh, the final season of Suits. So if you're watching Suits, it starts on uh, July 17th, the final season. Other than that, not worth checking out the USA Network. And the kids and I, are once again invested in American Ninja Warrior. This time with the new power tower. I see you, I see you pitting the two fastest warriors against each other in a fast paced high flying finale to end each city quarterfinal. On uh, on NBC in the States and here in Canada, check it out on CTV. Now on TBS, 
in the States, in Canada, on iTunes, and on Crave. The funniest show of the year. It's been the funniest show since it started. It's in its fourth season. It's called The Detour. If you have not watched this yet, start from episode one at the beginning and be prepared to laugh your butt cheeks right off. Just do it. Thank you, Hank, uh, for some really good picks. Okay, so up to bat now. Tony and Kathy have what's hot and happening in the Lego world. So please tell us. Lego space, space, space. <laughs> uh, we decided that we're going to talk about Lego space today. There's some new space sets coming out. And the fact that I've never bought Lego space before, I really wanted to look into it. So I did. Kathy, are you uh, you into the Lego space? Uh, I am into the Lego space. So yeah. you have some new sets that are coming out right away. Yep. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Lego. Uh, do you know that Lego space is one of the oldest expansive themes, and it started in 1978? Do tell. Yeah. So basically what happened is when Lego space first came out, it started off with mostly ships. Uh, they had those really awesome clunky builds that everyone loves. And uh, they were just basically, they were sticking with just like the, the yellow and the red and the white space dudes. So which was like kind of iconic now, but at the time it was very plain. But uh, wait, wait, what yeah. about Benny? Benny didn't come in until 1982, but yes, he would have been the blue, the blue space guy, Benny. Oh. Yeah, I know, yeah. So everyone thinks that he was like the beginning of Lego space. He wasn't. He was later on. So first they came up with the ships, um, and the best part about the early Lego space stuff is they had those molded bases. Oh, the uh, bases. molded base plates. Yes, they Crater. had the base. Yes, craters. they had craters. At yeah. first they just had the regular gray base plates. You would actually have to make your own little craters, but later on they started molding them. Uh, hard to find, very expensive if you're looking for those. Here's where things start changing. They started to have a storyline directive in Lego. So they started bringing out sets. Futron was kind of a civilian thing. Blacktron, guess what Blacktron was? Black they, Lego. They were the bad guys. Uh. Uh, and then they had the space police. <laughs> so at this time, you were able to buy sets. So children or adults could buy sets. You could have the good, bad, and the, the police So it, the, and the civilians, which was pretty cool. So it changed from like mostly just spaceships to kind of like a, uh, they call it the storyline directive. Or maybe I call it that. I'm not sure. Then they came up with some things back in 19 or back uh, in 1990. They had the the Emtron, which was magnets, uh, and then they went into some Blacktron future generations, and then Space Police Two. And then in 1993, this is exciting. They came to uh, they released something called Ice Planet. So they had sets that were on an ice planet. And you know what they did with those sets? No. Everybody was on skis. The ships, I think, were on skis, and definitely the people were on skis. Ah. Ice planet. They changed it up. And then they did some stuff. Uh, Unitron, which had the monorail. If you've never seen the monorail oh, Lego, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. They just have this giant monorail. They can't, they don't make it anymore. Uh, they've lost the patent for the actual mo the, the monorail. The tracks, The tracks yeah. itself. So you'll never see that. Uh, they started coming out with some cool stuff. The UFO came out in 1997-98, which was the first thing that featured aliens in Lego. So they actually had aliens in Lego, so it wasn't just people anymore. It was Lego aliens, a lot of saucers. And uh, back, back in 1986, they had the first female robot called Android. A-N-N, droid. Android. Android. And then later on... I see what they did there. Yeah. <laughs> and later on, a year later, they had Andy Droid. <laughs> doesn't really, Andy Droid doesn't have the same punch, but anyway. 
And then my favorite, insectoids. I don't know if you know about insectoids, but they actually had little, they had aliens that looked really awesome and the, they looked like little insect cyborgs and they were pretty fantastic. And it was the insectoids crash landed on an alien planet filled with enormous bugs and stole their eggs to refill their spaceships. <laughs> so basically that was like the whole premise of the insectoids. Uh, and then it got kind of it kind of changed. After that, they kind of lost the whole uh, directive thing, and they went into more back to the classic space. So they did do space things, but now with the uh, what's the what's the plan here, Kath? They're bringing out more space stuff. Yeah, um, they're launching seven new um, Lego City space sets, um, but it also kind of coordinates with the uh, 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. Did they just do a moon landing, uh, didn't they do a moon landing ship as well that just came out recently? Yes. Yeah. The lunar landing module. Yeah. Was that an Ultimate an Collector set. Series one or was that just a standard? Uh, just a Lego Expert cool. set. Nice. Yeah. But it's it's pretty neat. And then prior to that, um, they had the Saturn V, the Apollo Saturn V. Two years ago was that? The great big one? Lego that Ideas was a set? couple years ago, yeah. Yeah. But now they're doing like a Lego City 7 set launch um so there's a rocket assembly and transport set that's um for older kids it's pretty darn neat you can have a, a rocket that comes on a transport with treads um the little minifigures that come with it there's um a launch supervisor with little glasses and uh, a coffee cup and he looks rather stern to supervise your launch um there's a couple of new things in these sets new for june 2019 lego geodes so these are little lego pieces that you can actually break open you're not breaking them the pieces actually are supposed to come apart but it looks like a geode so something that you would mine and find in space maybe um, they've also made a articulated grappling arm for a few of the sets so you can work on your space vehicles with a, a pretty fancy grappling arm that um, works with a, an elastic band. Is there any works. insectoids? There are no insectoids. Not, no. not, not happening for me then. I there's want some a, insectoids. There's a people pack where you can have, I think it's like 15 little minifigures that you can use to populate all your little space sets. Um, and one of the minifigures has a, a mask oh has a that's alien mask alien mask all right that's cool. close as you get well there you go i'm very happy to say that uh because we've talked about space i'm gonna go and spend thousands of dollars on old lego space sets because they're pretty awesome can we buy the monorail buy the monorail uh, oh buy the, the monorail, monorail would be awesome and the insectoids okay <laughs> there you go awesome okay well i'm gonna take the uh, segue of space um and talk about some comics so last week i gave you the heads up that you should look for sea of stars this week and it came out um this is jason aaron's new book um and basically it's about a space trucker and his kid and they are going through space they have like a job to do they have a delivery to make and it's all these like weird old artifacts from like a museum that got basically just destroyed so now they're moving these artifacts and uh they're traveling and the kids really bored because they're not going by any like black holes or anything like that that's really boring because they want to be safe they want to make sure that the cargo gets there safely and their ship gets attacked by this weird space monster and they get separated so now 
kid and dad are just in two different places in the universe and the kid meets some little critters who are amazed that they've come across a humanoid that can actually um, communicate with them. So that's kind of exciting. I think it's got a lot of promise. Um, I really enjoyed issue one. Um, Mark Millar has a new space book out this week as well called Space Bandits. Um, basically, the premise of this one is that um, there's two storylines. There's a gal who's got like a group of guys they've just pulled off these great heists and they double cross her and then there's another storyline which is like basically ripped off from good bad and the ugly where there's like a girlfriend and her boyfriend she's got a bounty on her and the boyfriend like cashes her in and then busts her out and then they just repeat this and make a whole bunch of money but then eventually guess what he doesn't bust her out and then these two women end up meeting in prison so that sets the table for, I guess, what's ever going to happen going forward. Um, something tells me that these two gals are going to uh, maybe bust out of prison and then, you know, start holding up space. Um, I'm just looking at the comic uh, across the desk. Um, that is an awesome, awesome cover. It, it's pretty good. It's like they're back to back. They got like some weapons and stuff and they're standing on like a, a pile of what looks like space cash. Um, with some planets and stuff in the background. So, yeah, it's actually, it was kind of an enjoyable book. But the big news, the crushing internet news this week in comics is the final episode issue of The Walking Dead. Um, so, issue 193 came out this week with no warning that it was the end. And in fact, in the back of the comic, um, Kirkman goes at length into how he planned this like four years ago that they actually made four fake covers so that they could be in the like solicitation previews so that nobody knew that this was gonna be the last one. And uh, yeah, he, he loves the surprise. So earlier this year, he had, um, die 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 come out on just like the spur of the moment nobody knew about it so speculators kind of were going crazy because it's a new kirkman book and nobody knew um and he's done the same thing here where it's just like caught everybody off guard and it's over as a retailer i'm not really sure if i really appreciate that because it makes all kinds of craziness at the store and uh it's good in the sense that people get in excited about it but it's mostly the speculators that are trying to grab as many as they can so they can make money off of it so it'd be it, it's a good idea to you know to end the book i think the way he's ending it is amazing but it would have been a better situation if we all would have known about it that way we could have you know everyone could have got their copy yeah a lot of people were disappointed this week though i gotta say i i do agree with him in that we're living in such an age where you know about everything coming out months and months in advance so there are no surprises it's not like when you're a kid and you walk into the drugstore and you're like oh my god look at that batman comic that looks amazing like how could this happen like you know everything going in so he yeah. really wanted to have a surprise which you know i get that um also like People who have pull lists, who support their local comic store by like ordering all of their comics like week in and week out, they were prepared because the stores ordered the copies for them and put it aside for them. So fans, true fans who aren't just jumping on the bandwagon and trying to make a quick buck turning a popular book, those people, their loyalty is being rewarded. And for that, I, I get that. And I appreciate that because, um, yeah, if more people like supported their comic stores, then more titles would probably be more successful and more 
creators would have longer runs and be in the business successfully. Thoughts? I, I agree with that immensely, yes. Well, without a doubt, without the, um, without the idea of having subscriptions and people coming to the store and holding their books is great as well. So I, I agree with that 100%. But like, you know, as far as the, uh, I just don't like speculators. I wish that everyone can get their books and not have to, not have to pay more to get the book that they want. Yeah, I, I agree with that as far as people that will just buy books to, to turn a profit, right? But as an artist, I love the idea that he actually went out of his way to be like, oh, by the way, I'm done, see you, right? Like, I think that's a really, as an artist, I think that's a really cool way of doing it. Um, and the fact that he had a chance to pull that off in the day of the internet and, tweets and everyone knowing everything before anything even happens it's almost like before an idea is even done in someone's head everyone knows about it already so i mean kudos. i don't even like read the walking dead so it doesn't affect my life but I, I think that's pretty i think it's rad he pulled it off so well done well done sir you have my stamp of approval he definitely, he definitely pulled it off without a doubt he did pull it off and, and the world actually, went crazy the story is good um, it's set in the future, so Carl is married to Sophie, and they have a six-year-old daughter named Andrea. And um, yeah, he uh, stumbles across a, a, a roamer. Like they're not supposed to be around. Zombies are kind of eradicated, and he finds one and he kills it. And it turns out, well, it's somebody's property. So they go to court, and there's this whole kerfuffle, and uh, it, it raises some issues over is that right or not. And uh, um, it's good. I, it, throughout, they you know touch base with a bunch of different characters, just kind of wrap up some loose ends. I thought that it was actually a really good conclusion to the series. So I think fans will be happy with this issue. 